This is Lyndon Jones on WWCU WWOO. Today, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Allen about Laverne Hamlin Allen Hall, the newest building at Western Carolina University that was named after Dr. Allen herself, as she was the first African-American to attend Western in 1957. So, Dr. Allen, hello. Thank you for joining us today. Let's take it back a little bit before you attended Western. So it's 1954. Brown versus the Board of Education. This decision has just come out of the Supreme Court. What was it like living through this? Hardly any different from living through any other time for uh, an African-American. We were all very joyful when the Supreme Court sent down its um, decision. And really, really were happy we were... I, I shouldn't say we. I was expecting things to change immediately, which of course they didn't. And and then people began to, um, uh, what should I say, take sides. Um, boards of education, in in I shouldn't say that the superintendents of 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 county, city, and county schools. Those boards began to strategize and decide just how they would implement. Um, Brown versus the Board of Education. Um, you know, this was a, a decision that was was uh, out of Topeka, Kansas, but it affected all of the United States. And so um, there were some cities, such as Washington, D.C., at that particular time, who said, um, we're going to start next semester, you know, in, in the fall. We will implement this. And that started. And then there were other systems, such as the state of Virginia says, oh, no, we're going to resist. We're not going to follow this order. So you had, you know, both extremes there. And people were involved, and and things had to be worked through. And that's kind of how the board of uh, Brown versus the Board of Education went along in my mind. Right. Uh, and you actually mentioned um, a great point. You are from Virginia, correct? I was born in Roanoke, Virginia, yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And I, I went to elementary and high school. Yes, and I would consider Virginia as, you know, part of the South even then. Oh, it is a part of the South. <laughs> yes, and so was there a lot of cultural differences coming from Virginia to North Carolina? Um, yes. Um, uh, North Carolina was a little more forward than Virginia, as I said, Virginia had massive resistance to the plan, and in North Carolina, there there may have been pockets, but at the time um, I was living in '56, I finished Hampton, and I went to work in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I think it was '57 where Charlotte integrated its schools. And But people got accustomed to it, and they finally adjusted, and that adjustment took, of, of course, took a lot of different avenues. Some people moved out, uh, so to say, uh, some schools went private. Those kind of things happened. But uh, that was the immediate response to that situation. Yes, and those are kind of things we don't really learn about, schools going private, about things not really going the way that we expected them to when that decision did come out of Kansas. No. Thank you. No, we, don't, we don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, and you wonder, well, why is that happening? Because eventually it's going to be okay. And so eventually it was okay, except the city, most of the city schools 
remained segregated, uh, where the suburban schools where blacks did not generally live were uh, basically white. And then, of course, you had the private schools. And then you had the, the, the school systems that were really, I would say, way out, and they turned their public system into a private system. And, and you know, there's there recently been some settlement of some of those cases in Virginia, I know. So. And it did come at a very pivotal time in your life. It was right before you graduated from Hampton. Mm-hmm. And at the right after college, you moved to Charlotte. Can you tell me a little bit about what you did in Charlotte? I was a speech correctionist at that time. That's what that's what we were called uh, in the Mecklenburg County Schools. Mm-hmm. At that time, there were two uh, systems: the Mecklenburg County Schools and the Charlotte City Schools. So I was the again the first the first speech therapist for, and they probably said colored children. In the county, they had one person who worked with the white kids, um, and that was um, that was that was nice. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I had to learn how to drive, <laughs> and, and my daddy had to um, uh, back me for a loan for a car because I was going you know from the city. I lived in the city, right. and I was going around to the county. I think I had about six or seven schools. It was interesting because I had to introduce everybody to the idea that uh, a speech correctionist was needed, you know. What was it like to move from Virginia to the city of Charlotte? There was, I don't, I didn't see a difference. Um, Charlotte, both places are in the South. Both places still had their uh, black uh, communities, uh, churches. Uh, schools at that particular time, so everything was still segregated. Well, tell me a little bit about what brought you from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Western Carolina University. Well, um, I finished Hampton, and I guess it was the, the during the senior year, the chairman of the department called us all in. To, you know, we were being interviewed for jobs and things like that. And he wanted to alert us to the fact that jobs in the state of North Carolina for, for speech people, and I think I had maybe 10 or 12 classmates who were graduating, and he wanted to, us to know that the requirement was different from the Virginia requirement. So in North Carolina, I had to have at least nine hours in special education. And I did not have that. I mean, I was in the year, I was in the last semester, and here's someone telling me that, oh, okay, we're, we're going to graduate you, but you can't get a job in North Carolina. I wasn't particularly looking to North Carolina for a job, but I had assumed that when I finished Hampton, I was prepared to do my work Anywhere. Right. Uh, that was a rude awakening. <laughs> but anyway, I managed through that and uh, went on. I, that's when I learned about provisional, provisional um, certifications and things like that. But I, when I went there, I immediately started looking for the coursework that I needed so that I would be uh, certified and found those courses at Western. Yes. And applied. 
And this was along with applying it to other places, you know, in order to, uh, because I was looking towards going to school the following summer. Mm-hmm. So this was still 1956 when I began looking, and then by uh, 57, the spring of 57, uh, uh, the State Board of Education sent me a list of the of the schools in North Carolina that had at least one or two of the classes. Western was the place that had all three of the classes that I needed, and so that was why I applied there. I know that it's very difficult for me to imagine what this campus looked like in 1957 just because of the growth we have seen in the past four years alone. So can you tell me what Cullowee looked like when you were here? Cullowee was the post office and the cleaners, and I didn't realize at the time that that was the town, you know, the town of Cullowee. <laughs> yes. um, there wasn't much. It was just a little strip there where some of the, you know, other stores are now. It was two or three. I don't know that I used any of them except the post office. Of course. Um, the, the, the clock tower oh, was a long way off, and you didn't even enter the campus the way you do now. We entered the campus on the what I would consider now the backside, and you came up the hill, and there you were at, I think it was Jerner Hall, where everybody registered and everything, you know. Now I come down and I get lost. <laughs> yes, ma'am, we don't even have Joiner anymore. Oh, no, I think it burnt down, I believe. Yes. But anyway, it's, it's just, it's totally different, and it's beautiful. It is it's, beautiful, it's, I agree. I assume that it was equally as beautiful when you were here. If not more so, because there were less buildings and people. Well, yeah, there were fewer people. And, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the number of, well, it took me a, a few days to realize that when I left my dorm in the morning, that I needed everything I would have during the day. I walked down that hill. I wouldn't have to walk back up. You, you get your muscles going up and down that hill, but I never thought anything about it. You know, as a former member of the board of trustees, as you are, what changes have you seen since you were on the board of trustees? Oh gosh, everything has changed. <laughs> um, of course, the campus itself has changed in in the way it it looks and it, the way it's presented and. I can't, I can't think of any real, you know, because that time was a different time. And this was summer session, and there were fewer people. Mm-hmm. Much, much fewer people. So what is your thoughts on what we would like to see for Western going into the future? I would like to see growth in that intercultural. Yes, intercultural I, affairs. I, yeah, and because it's important for each of us to learn about the other. And so that uh, an I changes to a we, and we mean everybody, not just me and my sister or brother. Um, and people begin, well, it has to be a change in people, mm-hmm. in my opinion. All of my professors were absolutely fabulous. They didn't seem to mind that I was in their class. Um, I, you know, I was welcome, the students welcomed me and all of that. So there was nothing there that 
that um, made me feel uncomfortable or I wasn't wanted or anything like that. I was there to get do what I needed to do, and I did that. Uh, beyond that, you know, I don't really... I don't really know. I think there has to be an understanding on everybody's part. Uh, one of the things that, um, in attending some of the some of the sessions with the Ebony uh, group when it got started, mm-hmm. it was just little things that no one had thought of. There was no building of a community for the African American student. So now not only do you have to build a community for us, other minorities also, not just the African-American students, so that everyone has a, a level of comfort that is met and that is respected by everybody else. Okay? Just do that, and it'll be fine. Patricia Kamerling. Um, I don't know her, but I see she's president of the board. That is correct, of the board of okay. trustees. And she calls you an agent for social change. Is that how you would describe yourself? That would, that would be good. <laughs> that would be good. Yes. I, I, I would think so. Because um, I live in a community now, a retirement community, but a very large retirement community. Mm-hmm. And it's not a nursing home, and it shouldn't be equated with one, because we do things, and we have things, and we have activities, and, and all that kind of thing. But a large portion of anything that goes on here deals with socialization. Well, mm-hmm. I can't socialize with you if I don't accept who you are and where you came from. Not that it should make a heck of a lot of difference. So we have some other things that we do to try to make people conscious conscious of the fact that they may not have experienced me or somebody like me in their whole life, but I am here and I, I need to be respected. Therefore, I must do the same thing. So it's a constant thing. When you get my age, you will still be trying to think of ways for social justice. Constant push to remind people that we are all alike, you know. We may have different colors, but we are all alike. How did you feel when you got the call from Western that this new residence hall would be dedicated to you? Ooh. Oh, gosh. Well, see, you have to go back some on that one because I got a call that said, we want you to be on the Board of Trustees. Mind you, I'm a school teacher. I mean, that's the, so the way I, that's the lowest person on the totem pole. That's the one who's paid the less. My experience with boards, especially boards of trustee, were people who were wealthy and who had uh, something to share, like money. And um, I had never experienced this kind of, of thing. So I, had to, I, I, I was on a steep learning curve. Um, so it, it's, it's just kind of one of those things that that call came, and I said yes, and then another call came when they wanted to honor me with an honorary doctorate, and I said yes, and then this call came that they were naming <laughs> building for me. It's like, will this ever stop? It pr- uh, probably not. And, and that's what somebody else told me. I said, well, okay. You know, I'm just willing to accept it. I, have, I am not very good at 
at jubilance on these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I accept them. I figured you have a reason for wanting me there, and so therefore I will. I will, if I can, I will do what I can, and that's kind of the way I am. Can I get the timeline on these? So when when did you get the call to be a member of the board of trustees? Uh, that must have been about 80, 85, 86, somewhere in there. Right, and then you get the call for an honorary doctorate. That was 2006. 2006, and now 2019, we have you back again for a freshman yes. residence hall. Yes, yes, so, you know, and, and time in between. It's been delightful. I really got to know the area when I was on the Board of Trustees. I didn't do much adventuring when I was a student there. And so the the next time I had an opportunity was when I was appointed to the board. And so I would come down a day or two early or stay over a day or two and explore Silver and Dillsborough. I love Dillsborough. Um, just to see, go down to Franklin, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of those things. I just love the area. And of course, spent a little a night or two in uh, Asheville when I would fly in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have become a citizen <laughs> of Western Carolina, of, we- of the whole Western Carolina. Absolutely. I no. really enjoy it when I come down there. You are an honorary citizen. But it is just, you know, the climate is great, and I've been telling my grandkids how nice it is and everything and how comfortable it will be in the evenings, and, and they just kind of look at me, you know. So. I know a lot of people always say, you know, Dr. Allen, the first African-American to attend Western Carolina, but you did not intend to be a first. You came here just for classes to do what you wanted to do. So how did you kind of handle that? I would say it's definitely an honor, but it's probably a little bit of a burden. Um, you know, I was asked that question early because um, I guess when I was first on the board and I would go in for something and then they would say, uh, Lamar Allen, the first African-American <laughs> or the first black. And so you heard, I heard that a lot. And someone asked, said to me, aren't you tired of that? I said, I know who I am. That's and right. I know what I am. <clears throat> and in... In my lifetime, I have been the first or the only in so many instances until, you know, it it doesn't really matter. Uh, From high school on, you'd go to, uh, um, uh, what, that's not, uh, YWCA, that's what I'm trying to say. It probably doesn't exist anymore. But um, you would do a lot of different things. In an integrated situation, and mm-hmm. there had always, not always, frequently there was uh, African-American input into this. And as a teen, I was often, often the person who would go to these sessions. So I had been in many instances where I said I'm, I'm the only one or the first one. And, it, you know, it's like... My teachers would say, Hamlin, I need you to do so and so and so and so. You did it. And it didn't really make, it, it didn't make that much of a difference to me. At the time I came to Western, mm-hmm. what was making a difference was would I be safe? Right. And the college did its work. And so, 
there were no problems. Well, tell that, me more. I would like that's amazing. <laughs> I would like to hear more about the first that most people don't hear about. Other things that I had done? Yes. Let's talk about things outside of Western. Who is Dr. Laverne Hamlin Allen? Um, she is she is lead to her family and, and that's it, just Ellie and to her close friends. Um she is a a happy go lucky jolly aunt who, whose nieces and nephews would say at Christmas time, "Oh, that's from Aunt Laverne. It's a book." You know? <laughs> um, because I am the youngest of five children, my my wow, my oldest nephew's birthday is today, and he's seventy-one. <laughs> so we've been kidding back and forth on Facebook about the fact that he's now seventy-one. So you know, I was like a teenager when when several of them were born, right? And we were friends, as opposed to being, you know, uh, stuck in the mud on. Right. So um, that's, that, that would be one way to, to look at me. Um, I was married. My husband passed in 98. I have two children, four grandchildren, four grandsons. Um, no one wants to have a girl. Tell him so, to keep trying. <laughs> They said, forget it, Ma, it's not happening. So, um, you know, that's kind of it. Now, I I said I lived in a retirement community, which is a great place to be. But, you know, that's kind of who I am. (laughs) I do, I do. I I really enjoy it here. What's the coolest place you've ever been to? My favorite place. I have two favorite places. One place is called Enchanted Gardens. I don't think it exists anymore in Jamaica. And, um, you know, you go and you get pampered and fed and all those kind of things. My husband and I used to go there. But more recently, my favorite place is uh, the San Blas Islands of Panama. And uh, I have visited there three, at least three times. Um, and I go on to the San Blas Islands and live with the people there who make molars and and all that, and learn from them what they do, and uh, buy molars and buy the handful. So it, 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 it was. It has always been a lovely, lovely vacation. I enjoy that. I think I enjoy places in Central America best. I've been to Africa a couple of times. Uh, I guess yeah, Panama would be would be my sand blast islands of Panama would be one of my favorite places. You are definitely well traveled. No, no, I'm not. I've never been to Europe. I've never had a real desire to go to Europe. <laughs> I would go back to Africa in a heartbeat if it didn't take forever to get there. I mean, the trip is just so long, and I don't. I can't afford first class, you know, uh, where they put you in bed and those kind of things. Right. And when you wake up and you're there, no, I, I, I can't do that. And um, I've been to, what, Alaska and Hawaii, and I, I've enjoyed those trips, Canada. I've enjoyed those trips. But uh, I think Central America is, I love Costa Rica and uh, Guatemala. I believe 
Central America is my favorite. So, other than coming to Western. Of course, other than Western. <laughs> well, at 84, you don't do much hanging out. Well, you know, my, my friendships now, that's interesting how my friendships over time have changed. The, the, you know, the people who were my friends in my hometown, uh, I haven't seen in probably 20 years now. And my college friends, maybe one or two are still living, but, you know, at our age, you kind of peter out. So my friendships are my friendships here, mm-hmm. and I have loads of them, and we have fun. Um, well, doing it sounds like you do have some hanging out. Well, yeah, because tonight one of my friends is celebrating her 80th birthday and 60 years of marriage. Oh, so, on the same day? Yes. It's tonight at 6 o'clock. Well, so. don't be late. I won't take up any more of your time. Is Before I let you go, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to mention? It, it's just a joy to have these conversations. And I've had several with younger people at Weston, and it's always funny because there's so many things that you guys didn't experience that I experienced. And then, of course, your experiences from mine are different. But to be able to talk to each other about those differences, that's great. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much. We're honored to listen to you. Okay. Take care. In this program, we discussed who Dr. Allen is. The newest freshman residence hall at Western Carolina University was named in Dr. Allen's honor as she was the first African-American to attend here in 1957. She also served on the board of trustees and was given an honorary doctorate from Western Carolina University. Her contribution to this university is what helped us get to where we are today. And I want to thank her one more time for coming on and telling us a little bit about the woman behind the name on the wall. If you would like to hear the unedited version, you can check it out on our podcast site at wwcufm.com. This is Lyndon Jones. Thank you for listening.